granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello, underpants. That is hilarious. Shut your mouth, dude. Rate and review this podcast or my daddy will go into a deep depression. Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. I'm sitting at the beautiful uh, hotel in Bloomington, Indiana, during the Limestone Comedy Festival. And uh, I have a pretty awesome guest today. Uh, And I'm not going to tell you. Well, you already know because it's written on the podcast title. But uh, I just want to give a shout out real quick to my sponsor, goodsandevil.com. You guys, look, I pimp it enough. It's awesome t-shirts, horror shirts, movie shirts original designs and if you're into vegan isms if you're a vegan they also do a line of vegan shirts which is pretty rad uh i I eat meat but i still think their shirts are pretty rad uh they are they're pretty rad uh so go to goodsandevil.com you can get 10 percent off any order with the uh coupon code grown up grown up one word goodsandevil.com check that out and uh if you want to see me live i'm i'm all over the place this summer go check it out aaronkleiber.com I'm in Oklahoma City. I'm back in Little Rock. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the little Midwest Plains tour or whatever. Um, let's get into it. My guest today is a mom. I got a mom, guys. I got one. Um, she's a mother of a hundred. I don't even. I still haven't <laughs> figured it out. Uh, you might have heard her. Uh, she's a fellow Doug Loves Movies alum. Uh, she's uh, toured all over the country. Very funny. Uh, I met her at the uh, Pittsburgh Comedy Festival last mm. year. It's Emma Arnold. Hi. Emma, thank you so much. I was really excited like uh, that you were here because I always I always use like festivals to like grab a bunch of people to be guests on my podcast. And I was like, she has like a hundred kids. <laughs> I gotta I gotta talk to her. Yeah, I'm like I'm perfect for grown dad business. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's exciting. But uh so you uh ha and I also love that you're on Doug Loves Movies. People mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, my uh, kids were just on too, so it's kind oh of Oh my god. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and next time Doug is in Pittsburgh, I got to bring my 5-year-old son on. Yeah. Cuz he has done actually he's uh, my 5-year-old son, which I call Luke the Nuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my kids have like hashtag and one names. <laughs> you know like and one basketball. Yeah. I have Luke the Nuke mm-hmm. is my 5-year-old. My daughter 7 is Becca the Professor cuz she's a smarty pants. Nice. And then the little one uh she's one and she's low fire cat Aww. yeah um but uh n- now all the sounds are happening yeah, that's all right we have all microphones to our faces that's fine yeah but uh so you uh you're a traveling comedian mm-hmm. and uh should i say like how do you do that yeah how, we were just talking you're about mom. that mom you're not supposed to leave why aren't you in the kitchen yeah making cookies for you're, the girl scout troop it's, it's fine for jim gaffigan to do comedy but you're you're a mom i know yeah so how many kids explain the kids situation how many kids do you have so i have six kids <laughs> That's so crazy. That's a lot of kid. That makes my heart like palpitate. Yeah. It's a lot of kid. Um, I have three and then I have three stepkids. Yeah. Also. So I have three boys and then I have two stepdaughters and a stepson. What are the ages of these children? They are eight, 11, 11, 13, 13, and 16. Shoot me multiple times <laughs> in this cranium. The best is when we first got together, like when we first moved in 
together, I was like, we should have a baby. And my boyfriend was like, fuck you. Yeah, are you out of your mind? I was like, it's just, you know, it's totally was hormonal. Like, I was like, yeah. I want to make a baby with yeah. you. Let's do this. And he was like, we have a minivan right now. If we have one more baby, you have to upgrade you gotta get to a, like, like a church the, van. The church van. And he was like, that's a commit. Like, you are a crazy person at that. You have a family so large, you have a church van. And also, this is coming from the comedian who tours around the country yeah. and <laughs> all the kids are at home with him. Like, yeah. let's have a baby so let's I can tour baby. the Midwest. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that's what he was like no uh uh he told me actually we made a deal because I was really like uh sad that we couldn't have a baby like yeah. genuinely like because okay I mean I'm not going to talk shit but like I had a baby with somebody who wasn't around I had kids with someone who wasn't around a whole lot sure and wasn't that involved and now that when I got together with him I was like I want to have a baby with you like you're great you're yeah, super right. into this and I want to have a baby with someone like I want to do it's this a symbol of love yeah. yeah like let's make a person and uh he was like, it would kill me. It would literally kill yeah. me to have another kid. But he said, if I made $3 million in three years, we could have a baby. So and it sounds would, like you need to get a reality show. Yeah. So if I, I still have some time left. If I like really, I'm like 30,000 in. That's not, you know, I could probably. Yeah. <laughs> I got oh a little my. ways to go to 3 million. But yeah, you know, play it all in craps and Reno. No, actually like a year later, I was like, thank you so much for not getting me pregnant. Yeah, because oh that's a bad idea. I don't want to be pregnant. It was just absolutely <laughs> hormones. I don't want a baby. That's hilarious. Six kids is, is so much more even than I thought it was going to be. It was like, oh, this was a lot. I, already I had a high expectation for how hard it would be. And it's way yeah. more than that. Yeah, I, oh my God. Like I, you know, I talk about my three kids and complain about that mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about it on this podcast, but six is, how many what? does Gaffigan have? Five. Five. So. Fucking quitter. <laughs> hey, you didn't, but you only had his. three. They're all his. Only yeah. three ruined I your did. body. Yeah. So. I only had three. After that third two, like, uh, my, my last kid was like a barbed wire, broken glass baby, like oh most painful labor. Like I had natural labors, yeah. like total hippie home birth shit. Uh, in, you know, in a clinic, not like at sure. my house. Uh, not but after Amish that style. one, I was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. Yeah. Uh, but then my, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my, it's a Pittsburgh comic. She's a mother of three. One of my favorite jokes about having three kids. She says she has three kids. I'm just telling you cause you might appreciate it. Uh, cause my wife likes this joke. Uh, she has three kids and she's like, she dresses like, you know, in leather and like sexy, you know, mm -hmm. and she, she got fit again and she's like, you know, I had three kids and she's like, you know, I know I look like this, but she's like, you have no idea what's underneath this wizard of Oz curtain. <laughs> like it's so funny. She's like, you don't, you don't want to see what's underneath this. Like, That's so this funny. Is, yeah. I look great. Like I look great. I'm not even kidding. Like after three kids, I look great. And I always tell people that my tramp stamp did way more damage to my body than childbirth did. Like my, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I always shout out my wife. Like my wife said three kids. She's running a marathon tomorrow. Jesus. Like she, she is. All right, a, well, I don't look marathon she, great. Well, my <laughs> wife is a sexy beast and I will tout it all day. <laughs> And it's it's awesome. I it's look, awesome. I look great for a road comic, you know. Yeah, a road comic with that has birthed yeah. three children. You're doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how long have you been doing comedy? Okay, well this always pisses people off, but uh, four years. Uh, yeah, no, I've been there. Yeah, and people are always like, mean. "What?" I'm, uh, I'm I'm almost in seven years. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in four years. Um, I started in storytelling um, before that. So, you know, I wasn't like brand new when I started. Right. Um, and I took a pretty long break that first year. Like I was kind of really doing it pretty light. So 
Um, but I was, I've been a writer for like 15 years yeah. and I've written a ton of shit. Yeah. So, you're an author. Yeah. So like when I started comedy, I kind of already had like a lot of the voice stuff down and, yeah. and I had so much material. You knew how to express yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I had been teaching workshops. I, I used to teach storytelling workshops like all over the country. So I had a lot of like experience with crowds yeah. and stuff. Like I did and a lot of And that's interesting because I, I tell people the same thing where, you know, you know, where, you know, you get some cool things early on in your stand-up career and people are like, what the f Yeah. Like how? And I was like, well, you know, before I started doing stand-up, stand-up was the last thing in entertainment that I did. Mm -hmm. I was doing improv and sketch for 12 years. I was already an actor with credits. Mm -hmm. Like, so when I did stand-up, it was like, okay, well, I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, we're having babies. I'm not moving to New York or LA or Chicago to be on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. So what can I do here? Oh, I'll try stand-up. Yeah. And that worked. Yeah. Then they start giving you money for complaining about your kids. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, like, it's it's interesting that you have that background. And, and that that's that's usually the case. So, you know, people yeah. have, have done, like, filmmaking or, you know, improv or yeah. something. Yeah, I always wanted to do it. Um, I was a, a huge fan of it. Like, I had been listening to stand-up since I was really little. Like, we weren't allowed to watch TV. We were very sheltered. Right. But, um, my stepdad gave me a bunch of Richard Pryor yeah. albums when I was like nine oh and, and George Carlin was like, yeah. don't show these to your mom, but this shit's amazing. Yeah. And like he introduced me to Monty Python and shit. So I was always a huge fan of comedy, yeah. but I always was very intimidated by it. Like I was like, Oh, this is so like, I would go and watch it and be like, Oh, this is impossible. I could never do that. Right. And then I, uh, four years ago went to my first open mic to go watch my boyfriend actually. Yeah. And we weren't dating at the time. We were just friends. And I went to go watch him and was like, Oh, this, I could do this yeah. for sure. I could do this at least, you know, like. Did you start now when you when you were when you were before that when you're writing? Did you write about your kids and? Yeah, yeah, and I had had a really. Um, I was a. This is dumb, but I was like a popular MySpace blogger, like back when that was a thing. You know, yeah. like when they first came out and people yeah. started blogging, and then I had a really popular blog for a long time, and so I was already writing things in like 300 to 500 word chunks right. that were stand-up acts that sure. I just didn't realize were stand-up acts. Right. So, um, I, I already had, when I went to like start, I already had probably like 20 hours of material just yeah. going through back blogs and going oh, that's through, great. and I had written a couple, like I I've written like five books, most all of them garbage. Um, <laughs> but pe people can still see those and no, read, no, can absolutely people not. Fuck off. read Don't anything read you wrote? No, absolutely not. Go to hell. Well, what about your funny blogs and stuff? Oh, you can read my blog. Yeah. Read my blog. Um, it's just Emma, Arnold.com. Emma Arnold comedy.com. Okay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, if you Google me, uh, the, it's like Emma Arnold, Emma Arnold comedy, Emma Arnold Holocaust is the third thing that comes up because there's another huh. famous Emma Arnold who survived the Holocaust and is a writer. <laughs> I, was gonna, the Holocaust. I was just going to make a dirty joke. Nope. That's, no, never nope, mind. Just, just the Holocaust. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's why I've had to add comedy because Emma Arnold.com takes you to a Holocaust survivor yeah. website. I have no problem with Aaron Kleiber. No, nobody's not at all. Nobody's no Holocausting way. that. I mean, I don't know. Kleiber, that name, unfortunately, or fortunately, Fortunately, was not involved <laughs> in the Holocaust. No, yeah. My great grandparents were gone way before that. Yeah. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I, and I am currently writing a book. It was supposed to be done this spring, but I've been touring so much that it's not finished yet. But it's very. This one's going to be good. Very good. I want to say hi, to Jeff Tate. <laughs> hi, Jeff Tate's Jeff Tate. walking around. Hello. You just got to come in and be on this podcast, don't you? You I just can't. No. Well, it's so out. nice out that we thought we'd come out here. Yeah. Say hi. It is particularly nice. I like it when the air, when you can feel it, 
when it's like oh yeah, yeah. Like you can hold it like you can take it with your hand like it's cool whip yeah, and then splash your face. I'm gonna try to catch the uh, end of Jordan's set so that when he's done, I'll be like, "Great set, I really like that." <laughs> and then I can reference whatever the last joke that I heard was. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, say, say Emma was here. She had to leave, but she thought you were great. Emma saw the yeah. last joke, whatever that was. Include me too. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, I'm gonna have Jeff Tate on the podcast and talk about what in his childhood made him the way he is. Oh, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> so good. Because uh, you know, there's it's a special type of person that walks around in a sleeveless jean jacket. With a sleeveless flannel and a sleeveless T-shirt under that. And a hat that has his name on it. Yeah. That's a special childhood. Yeah. <laughs> that we'll dig into. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you toured with Jeff Tate. Yeah. We've been touring together since September. We actually met, uh, last night was our friend anniversary. We oh, met yeah? uh, here at Limestone last year. And, and, and that's, that's an odd pairing. It is. Um, if anybody knows Jeff Tate, you also know Jeff Tate. This is a little Doug Loves Movies Club. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like, if you know Jeff, and then you're listening to Emma, you're like, wait, how does that? But that makes great comedy shows. Yeah. No, we have we have a good um, rhythm for our show because like uh, we complement each other's styles very well. Yeah. You know, like I tend to be kind of a a little more uptight, and like you're gonna get like a sort of solid, like, by-the-numbers right. stuff. I mean, I'm, I've loosened up a lot touring with Jeff, and Jeff is more, like, rambly and wandery. Right. Um, and he's but it's also, like, I've experienced me, so. that, too, but it's worldview also. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, I've, I've toured with Doug Benson. Yeah. And I've toured with, like, I'll think of someone, people completely opposite them, like, Steve-O. Yeah. Toured, like, but both of them have said, like, oh, no, you give something to my audience that I yeah. can't. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, I don't have kids, like, but my audience has kids and married. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, we uh, hit it off because when we were here last year, um, Jeff, lived, Jeff lived in Idaho as a kid. So we kind of bumped into each other after Douglas movies and we were talking. And then I was, he was like, oh, I used to live in Idaho. And we're like, oh, yeah. we'll talk later. And then later at the after party, uh, you know, we're both in our later 30s. And... <laughs> and uh, Everybody, you know, everybody's always so fucking young at a festival and everybody's doing mushrooms I, and everybody's like me wanna... walking around all weekend. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a grown up. Yeah. Everyone's and... like, I always make the joke. People are like, you can hang out and have some drinks. I'm like, I, I'm going to go say hi to everybody at the after party mm -hmm. and then go back to my hotel room at midnight and fall asleep watching World War Two in HD. Yeah. That's what I yeah. do. Yeah. We like everybody's doing mushrooms and getting super wild. And we were both like, oh, <laughs> no, thank you. I'm very <laughs> tired. So we stood around and, and and talked for a long time and like really hit it off and we actually were both at the point where we were about to quit comedy like we yeah. when we met jeff was like he it was like i'm not a comedian i'm a bartender yeah i remember that phase yeah, yeah. and we were both just done he's a really charming bartender yeah a funny bartender yeah he is <laughs> we were both just like and i told him i was like this is my last festival like i'm not doing this anymore yeah I'm out. and uh we ha we like talked about why we didn't want to do comedy and then we were like what if we and then we we like started talking about like what if we started a tour to get to tour together in a way that was not killing us and so right. we started doing that and we've been touring we tour every other week since september and it's i mean it's grueling as fuck but yeah but it's also it's the i've had more fun this year than i like i've had such a good time in comedy like yeah. i actually really love it again and yeah. i'm just having a great time and yeah it still breaks my heart and still pisses me off and it's exhausting but 
it's been really different. It's been a different experience with yeah. Jeff. So that's I appreciate tough. That I, I give you credit because I, I see a lot of comics do like the DIY fest, like the mm -hmm. DIY tours. And Jeff is that guy to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so like I have friends that are doing these DIY tours and I'm like, I'm a grown up. Like I can't yeah. do that. Like I need to make sure I know what my money is coming in. And yeah. Like, no. like my wife is a stay at home mom. Yeah. So I, I, I'm doing it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's like terrifying to me. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's um, well, luckily, like we're a good team that way because Jeff has more connections than I do. Right. Definitely. Because he's been doing it for like 15 years. Right. And he has way more connections than I do, but I'm super fucking organized. I yeah. am like uh, Miss Spreadsheet, yeah. you know? And so like we would set up the tour and then I would just put it, we would put everything in spreadsheets and be like, okay, this is where the money's coming in. This is how much the flights will cost. And like we worked everything out beforehand. That sounds so, like a good marriage. That's kind of how my wife is, and I are. <laughs> this, it's, it's funny because we've actually talked about how like this is, uh, we were both, we're both divorced, yeah. Jeff and I. And we're like, this is the healthiest marriage we've ever yeah. had. And it's because we're not fucking. Yeah. So, because like, I think what happens in a relationship is like, you're so invested in someone that when you, when you have conflict and you fight, you, you're like, I don't know how to fix this. Let's just have sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you end up just having sex and being like, uh, let's just not worry about the other yeah. shit. But when you're not fucking, you have to be like, <laughs> oh, I guess we just keep talking. Yeah until we fix this. And so we've had massive fights on the tour, like massive, massive fights. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to finally come around to a resolution. And actually, well, and it's, it's funny because we were just saying how like in a relationship, it really like in a real, like a marriage, it matters who's right and who's wrong. When you get in an argument, yeah, yeah. it's like, you need to hear me because I'm right. But when you're not fucking each other, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That could be true for both of us. Like we have a totally different perspective, well, but that's you, true for both of and us. And you guys you know? have the you, this, you have a business partnership. Yeah. And a good business par partnership is like a marriage. Yeah, it is. It works well together. Yeah. 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 And we have a really good friendship. You know, I feel like Jeff is you know probably one of my closest friendships I've had my whole life, and even just in a year, um, I feel like he's helped. Like he he had. I'm not very assertive. Jeff is uh, maybe too assertive. Oh yeah, we know. Yeah, if you yeah. know Jeff. And we've kind of helped, like, I've helped mellow him and be like, hey, let's just roll right. with the punches. Things are good. This and he's helped me be like, I. no, I want my fucking money. Fuck you. You know, like, <laughs> we compliment each other. Yeah. Our comedy compliments each other and our, our friendship is really yeah. complimentary. That's a good And he loves my family. Like, he'll come and stay with us and hang out with the kids. And like, he's like Uncle Jeff. They fucking adore him. And yeah. Yeah. And, and my boyfriend, like, adores him, too. And is just like, it's it's cool. It's a really nice, nice thing. No, that works. You know? Yeah. So and so you started in and you still you're still in Boise. Yeah. I still Idaho. live in Boise, Idaho. Yeah. And so that's so how was starting there in comedy? <laughs> like, I, I don't know much. There about wasn't Boise. much. No, um, there's one club there. And when I started, there was like nothing there was not a lot going on um i started at this mic that was like a weekly mic called uh the dog dick fuck around hour come and a half come on which was a real the train wreck oh my god uh and there was not a lot going on like there was not a ton to do so i would drive over to portland every yeah. other weekend because my ex has my kids every other weekend and i was a single mom at Oregon? the time yeah to portland oregon how I far drive, is that it's like seven hours i drive for the weekend go over there stay with friends do as much shit as i could wow. get wow come home um so like i kind of consider portland more like a hometown comedy because yeah, like yeah. boise just didn't have a ton going on right. at the time um well even now still not a ton going on it's, well, yeah. it's a small scene uh, sure. it's always it's growing but yeah so i i think but i hear people like people will tell me oh i went to i do five mics a night and blah 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 and i'm like yeah. for me i felt like um 
doing less was actually better because it was like really concentrated. You had to make it count. Yeah, I had to really make it count. And like, you know, I didn't just go and like spew jokes at the audience. I would go and like be really like, I mean, it was work. Yeah, like I really have to like, yeah, yeah, make this happen. I would go and like try stuff out and then be like, no, that wasn't it. Yeah. You know, like over and over. So, so yeah, I feel like that kind of actually helped me because I had to be really dedicated. I had to really want it. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's that's how I started too. Is like when I started stand up, I had a newborn baby. Yeah, my first child. Yeah. So when I at that point, I you know, and I've said this multiple times, but you know, I like relating. You know, I, I you know I understand what you mean because I had a newborn baby, and I was like thinking about like I might go all in, like yeah. not have a job and be an actor and a comedian, and that really kicks you in the ass. Yeah. To make it work. Oh yeah, I. So um, when I first got separated, uh, I used to write erotica. Like that was how like I supported myself yeah. and three kids by writing erotica. Um, because my publisher had kind of been like, hey. Mom, three kids writing erotica. Yeah. It's, that's it how was, it's done, right? Yeah. That's what you do. And my, because my publisher knew I was in a tight spot financially and was just like, hey, you know, people make really good money doing this. So I was doing that. But I hated it. Like it was just so boring and soul sucking and stupid. And yeah. And used up all my creative energy. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to be a comedian. Like, I'm going to fucking do this. And in hindsight, I I have no idea why I thought that was a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) To be like a single mom and be like, I guess I'll be a comedian. That's easy. Like, um, so I I did. I just, you know, I I was doing freelance copywriting and stuff. So I had a little flexibility and a little extra money from residuals and shit. And I was kind of able to, like, be able to, like, try to do this shit. And, um... And yeah, but I had to hit it hard because I had three yeah. fucking kids I had to support. And I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm fucked. Yeah. So I just hit it like immediately as hard as I could. And I also, I think, um, I didn't realize until much later in that it was difficult. Yeah. Like I just hit it with all like this total Idaho enthusiasm and like, like a year into comedy showed up in New York and like got booked on all these shows just because I was like, hi, Emma Arnold, comedian, like shaking hands <laughs> and out there and like super excited and friendly and nobody could tell that I had just started because I didn't realize you were supposed to be sort of scared to act green and to act green and nervous. Like I just was like, uh, you know, just, I, I just was like, I got it. You got to get out there. This is what you do. And also I was so excited to be there. I was so excited to be doing comedy and so excited to meet everybody that I think people were just kind of over, um, uh, my friend who Seth, who books sweet in New York said that he laughs because he booked me on sweet my a year into comedy, which is bananas because it's an amazing show. And he was like, uh, he was like, you just overwhelmed me with this Idaho enthusiasm. You just came (laughs) in shaking hands and was like, Oh, she must be a big deal. Put her on the show. And I think, but I think that kind of helped me in a way because I just got on shit and was like, just I didn't realize till later like how lucky I was yeah. to get on to get on the, all these amazing shows right, and yeah. stuff. Just just pure. Yeah, but you know, uh, I I, charm. I I love that too because I always say like it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. Like you just yeah. like hey I, I would like to do comedy. And they're like oh, okay. Yeah. Like because you're right because there are people that live in New York or L A and you yeah know, they're like I could never get on that show. Have you ever asked? Yeah, people can be very self uh, limiting. You know, yeah. um, to just assume. I think too like I I have uh, a lot of friends like who are so funny and so amazing, but they're all and I do this to myself too where I'm like oh now I do it where I'm like oh well you know I'm I'm probably not ready for that. Yeah. Now that you start to understand how things oh, work yeah. in the business, yeah. Well, and also like. Uh, I feel like the harder I work at it, the more self-critical I get. The Absolutely. M- the more I'm like, that could have been better. That could have yeah. been better. Like when I, in the beginning, 
especially since I started in storytelling, um, where like a silent room is good news. Yeah. And so when I first started comedy, like it would be silent and I would get like 10 laughs and I'd be like, oh, I killed it. Like I'm doing great because I didn't realize like you want a ton of laughs. It wasn't until I was like a year or two in that I was kind of like, oh, oh, so you want a bunch of laughs. Okay, I'm (laughs) understanding. But also I had the luxury of like never being afraid of that silence. Sure, yeah. Since I was sort of like, oh, you're supposed to have like attention as long as people are paying attention. Who cares? So I think that that has like I, you know, I've watched a lot of people like when a crowd is quiet, like people get panicked and I haven't had that feeling because right. i i'm always just like oh yeah they're yeah. paying attention who cares <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah you 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 have a you you know you talk about your kids and things mm-hmm. on stage but you have a unique perspective mm-hmm. i mean you have a son that's autistic yeah correct yeah my oldest is autistic because like i i saw your set like yesterday at limestone super funny thank you and you know um i was just talking about a comedian who like got picketed for talking about one of their special needs relatives and yeah i think and, you do um, have to be careful um i try to yeah, how always, does that work for you well one thing um actually well you also Jeff, are the mom yes and so it's not so, like my cousin i'm making fun yeah of, it's, it's coming my, from a yeah. genuine loving place yeah and, and everyone knows that actually jeff fixed that joke for me huh because he saw me do it a year ago and it didn't i the joke i do about my son um he was like it, it never worked before i never could get it quite right and I even told him, I was like, you know, I have this stuff about my autistic kid, but I never, it, it always feels like it just makes the crowd uncomfortable. Right. And he said, you need to establish how nuts about him you are first. Yeah. And then you can say whatever you want, but people need to know it all comes from a place of love. And it was such good advice. That is, he's, that is he's so. He's pretty smart. I, I don't want to interject my own life into it, but I do. It's my podcast. <laughs> so, it, but no, it, I've experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, I, I talk about marriage and I talk about my wife and I think uh, sometimes I get mad at myself because I come off as the more angry husband dad. Yeah. And the best advice I got was from Louis Anderson. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, he goes, you're, you're killing 98% of the audience. Yeah. You're doing great. That other 2% are these moms that are between like 30 and 50 who think you don't like your wife. Oh, yeah. And I was like, huh. He goes, you need to just establish how much you are crazy about her and you yeah, love her. Yeah. And that blew my mind. Oh, yeah. It's And totally you're absolutely true. right. And now I can do that material. I always start out by just being like, I adore him. I wouldn't change him. I love the person that he is. Like, yeah. I don't consider his autism a disability. I right. think he is the most amazing person. Yeah. Which, I, and which is not bullshit. Like, my son is fucking amazing. And he has made me so patient and so kind yeah you know and i i really appreciate the fact that like um i feel like he was born my kid for a reason like i already had a lot of experience with autistic kids and with like troubled teens and troubled boys and stuff and so i was already like really patient and ready for it and um and he he's just so fucking funny and amazing like i admire the fuck out of him so when i do jokes about like the socially awkward shit that he says it's because i love that shit yeah even though it's embarrassing in the moment and i'm always like oh god i i just fucking adore him so i think that that's the difference like i there are a couple comedians i've heard who have autistic or special needs kids who the material they do is so mean-spirited like Mm. it is really heartbreaking and it feels like that like that they are very resentful. And I feel like when a crowd mm. feels in any subject, I feel like when a crowd feels that you're resentful, it's not funny. Yeah. Resentment is not funny. Reme- resentment sucks, yeah. you know? So, and I know, and I know I've heard you say in conversation about how that audiences reaction to that have been really positive. Oh, people love it. Um, and it means like the world to me that a lot of like 
almost every show autistic parent people who have autistic kids auti- right. parents of autistic children will come up and hug me and just be like thank you thank you thank you so much for talking about this for making it funny like we've yeah. never heard our life we've never heard our story right. or like special needs teachers you know special education teachers will come and be like thank you so much that was so fun and it was yeah. so fun to hear like it's just exactly like that and um and that and and i do this on stage but like uh, it's totally true uh autistic men will often come up to me and talk to me after because I have a joke about how my my kid my kid has a huge penis. Oh my god. And how like that must be something with autism. And autistic men will come up and be like, I also have a huge dick. But the social dick. skills Yeah, like, and they don't mean it weird, but they're like, I I also I, I totally can relate to what you said. The world thank that. you for telling the world about my massive dick. And I'm always like, oh thanks. <laughs> have a nice day. <laughs> and they're just coming from the yeah. genuine place. Oh, yeah. They're not I actually I've been trying to tell people lately like I know that there are a lot of assholes online and I know sometimes like people say shit or are obnoxious, but just treat everybody like they're autistic. Just have yeah. a little compassion. And like somebody like I was realizing, a well, lot there, of you know, there, there are people in that you think they might be. Yeah. They say yeah. really silly things. Just Well, like I, I have this thing uh, every time I um, will post like tweet anything. There's this one fan I have who will like mansplain what I just said to oh. me. But then recently I oh, realized nice that that's what my son does. Like if I'm like, oh, it's hot today. Well, actually it's 72 degrees, which is not hot. That's actually a very temperate uh, temperature for it to be. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's, nor- it's not that hot. <laughs> but that's what sometimes my, my fans, my male fans will do that. And so yeah. I've started to just be like, maybe they're autistic. Maybe they're not mansplaining this to me. Yeah, that's all right. And yeah. I'll just be like, oh, thanks for the information, sweetie. Yeah. Thank you for engaging. Like, they're not trying to be shitheads. They're trying to engage in a conversation but don't have the social skills how. to realize, like, oh, no, that's actually very rude to correct yeah. me just randomly like yeah. that. So I've just started to treat people like they're all autistic. That's my new online <laughs> thing is to have a little compassion. Be nice. Hey, guys. So that's the end of part one with Emma Arnold. Um, We're going to get a little bit deeper next episode. If you read the description, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, already, Emma is a pretty fascinating person. Really excited to be be friends with her and to be able to talk to her about her life. So um, we're going to dig into next week uh, more about her past dealing with sexual abuse, growing up, being abused, and how that affected her adulthood as a mother and a wife. And, um, yeah, it gets really interesting and really deep. And uh, not that her life is already interesting enough, raising uh, six kids, three of her own, one of them special needs. She's a really uh, fun-loving mom, and it's really cool to listen to her talk about that and and have fun with it in life. But uh, good times. Check out goodsandevil.com. You know, 10% off code word grown up. Next week, part two, Emma Arnold. Follow your heart.